Well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. Hey, that's a beautiful picture. We love baptism because one of the things that it symbolizes is the dead coming to life. Um, And so as you just saw, two people were buried underwater, right? And that's symbolic of their death. The fact that they were dead and they were brought back up to new life and they step out this water and this water doesn't cleanse us, but God's power and God's might and God's strength does. In fact, the scriptures teach us this, and I love this, and I've tried to wrap my mind around it, um, and I just surrendered to the fact that I couldn't, right? The Bible says this. It says that God has chosen, um, and the, the, the theological word, at least, that the scriptures use is justification, right? That God has chosen to cover us with his own righteousness, right? That when we believe that God has chosen to cover us with his own righteousness, um, because there is a righteousness that's not of our own, right? It's not of our own doing. You can read this in Romans. Uh, you can read Romans, I think it's chapter three. You can read those very words. It's this righteousness that's not of our own doing. And so none of these people that stepped out the water were perfect anymore, right? Or, or perfect noun, right? They, they never were perfect. They aren't perfect noun, but they have been covered by God's righteousness so that now when God sees them, he sees them as holy and just and full fully deserving of his love and his grace and his mercy because now they've been covered by, by his righteousness and it's no work of our own and the Bible calls that grace. And when we get that, like when that clicks, right, in our, in our, in our minds and in our, in, our, in our souls, when that, when that clicks, when we get that, we realize how great of a gift it is, right? How great of a gift it is that God has chosen to give us. Well, welcome to Tri-Cities Church this morning. This is an exciting morning. We are beginning a new series called Next Steps. And so even as you can see, I, I want to point it out because I know some people might not notice. We even have new banners up on the walls, right, that are, that are for this new series and an ongoing uh, language that we will use in our church as we, uh, as we celebrate the fact that God is calling us to constantly move forward in him and, and, and to take that next step. I'm excited about this series. It's going to be uh, uh, three weeks Probably, actually, I was thinking that, or this week, I was like, we could probably do four weeks in this series. But um, the plan is for it to be three weeks. So for the next three weeks, uh, if you are in town, uh, be here at Tri-City Church, because I believe, as I said last week, that, yeah, this series isn't revolutionary, right? But but the change that, that God makes in us as we take next steps in Him, right, and, and those steps are taken publicly and in our lives, in our communities, that's revolutionary, right? That's how God changes the world through individuals who have been changed by the power of the gospel and have chosen to give their lives to Jesus Christ and take next steps in him. And then God uses that powerful step to change the world. So let's, let's pray and then we'll get into our message this morning. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity uh, to gather here and to witness um, of the dead coming to life, that we have this opportunity to witness uh, baptism, this powerful symbol that you've given followers of you and that they've used it for thousands of years to proclaim the power of the gospel. I can think of no more beautiful symbol than that one that you gave us. The one of you giving us new life in you. A life that doesn't expire. A life that doesn't end. A life that leads to holiness, perfection, and all of our needs being met by you. So God, we thank you for that life, and we thank you that these who we saw baptized this morning have chosen to take that next step in you. 
And God, I just pray in this new series that we're beginning this morning, this Next Step series, that you will guide us, that you will help us to understand what it looks like for us to take next steps in you. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when I was, um, um, I, I grew up in the church. Let me just lay that out there. I grew up, my, my family went to church, and not that long, not far from here. Actually, right, right around the corner on the other side of Greenbrier, we went to church. And so uh, we grew up going to church, and um, I was baptized. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the age. I was probably eight or nine when I was baptized, about Andrew's age when I was, when I was baptized. And, yeah, I did things like I read my Bible, and I, I learned to pray, um, and, um, and I believed in Jesus Christ. I even went to Christian school when I was in elementary school and memorized lots of Bible verses. We even had these little Bible uh, drill. I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but these little Bible drill competitions. Those were one of the highlights, um, uh, trying to find Bible verses real fast. At Colonial Hills Christian School, usually right up here on Main Street in East Point. Um, so, yeah, this is my home. This is where I grew up. This is where um, the faith was, was handed down to me by my family and my church and those who were around me uh, who believed. Um, but there was, a, there was a moment, and, and I have a hard time describing this and really putting it into words, um, but there was a moment when um, faith, to me, took on a new meaning, right? I, I, and the best way I could put it is that my faith became became real. And it wasn't that it wasn't real at, 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 a, at a young age. It, it, was, it was definitely real. Um, but there was this moment when, um, there was this moment of realization, um, and, and this was really uh, right before I went to college, there was this moment of realization that, that yeah, my life from this point uh, in a sense, is in my hands, right? Um, um, no longer, when, when I, you know, this is what's going on in my head at least. Uh, when, when I graduate from, from high school and I move out of my parents' house, no longer is anyone going to make me read my Bible. No longer is anyone going to make me go to church, right? No longer is anyone going to make me say my prayers before I eat and before I go to bed. Nobody is, nobody's going to, um, going to enforce my faith upon me. It was no longer a faith that was just uh, being borrowed, in a sense, from my parents. But now it, it was at that moment where it had to become my own. It had to become, uh, it had to become real to me. And I remember sitting down and, and almost, in a sense, weighing the pros and cons and saying, um, like, I can, I can follow Christ and I can have, I can have this kind of life that the scriptures promise. Um, and, and that's faith because I had no evidence that that would be true. And then I was watching other people's lives and I said I could choose not to follow Christ and I could have this kind of life that at least I see it being experienced by some. Um, and, and which road, almost like a ray of two roads, and which one do I want to take? And faith became real to me in that moment when I chose to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of my life from that day forward and to take that seriously. But the faith that, um, at least my understanding, because here's the thing with faith, it's kind of odd, right? Um, that, that faith and understanding don't always come together, right? Just because you believe in Jesus Christ, and uh, in Jesus Christ, you believe that he's Lord, you believe that he's saved you, right? That he's done a work in your life to make you new, right? You can get that theological understanding of who God is, what God has done, and that can, that can be, um, that can be logically grasped, but we don't fully understand, um, uh, or at least all of our questions aren't answered right when we begin to follow jesus christ and so um uh, so and, and we don't fully understand what all it means um 
yeah, we, we get our understanding in the moment as we're following him. And so, so at the beginning, I, I, I measured and determined what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ by certain measurable goals, right? They're the do nots and the do's, right? They're throughout scripture. You hear those emphasized maybe by your parents when you're growing up. Maybe you emphasize them as a parent to your kid. Do not cuss, do not drink, do not smoke, those kind of things maybe. Um, um, and so we had these do nots that I defined Christianity by these measurables that were do nots. And it was like, I could check these things off and I would be a good Christian. Uh, but then I got to a point in my faith where, yeah, I began checking these things off and I began to ask that question, is life in Christ simply about checking things off, right? All right, so I got, I, you know, I get, you get cussing under control, right? You get drinking under control where you don't get drunk, you know. Um, um, you, 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 uh, you, you, you begin to, to save yourself from marriage, right? You, you don't, you're not jumping from person to person. Um, uh, and you get these different things under control. Um, and I felt like... Um, I felt like the, the sense that being a Christian was, by my own strength, attainable, something that I could, I could reach out for, I could grasp, I could attain it by these measurables, and I could check them off one at a time. And what, what ended up happening in my life is I started looking around and asking this question, what next? Like, is, is this it? Now, now, it wasn't that I had gotten everything in my life under control and that I was, like, perfect by these... Um, kind of moral standards or laws. It wasn't that at all. But but by the way that I defined Christianity, by measurables, and by the way, um, by the things I saw around me in the lives of my friends and people that I hung out with, certain measurables, right? I, I was doing pretty good. And I was working really hard. And I was doing good. And by my own strength, I began to ask this question, what next? And here's... Here's the deal. When Christianity is defined by measurables, right, and we find ourselves attaining these certain things and we find ourselves looking around at people around us and saying, I'm, I'm doing pretty good off, right? My, my faith is on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. When these measurables became, become the defining values in our life and in our life of faith with Jesus Christ, we're always going to sit around and, and look and ask this question, what's next? And when the answer doesn't come immediately, our faith, our spiritual lives begin uh, to stagnate. In fact, stagnation is one of the uh, most prevalent ailments in the church, right? It's this sense that we stop making progress in God because we have this sense that there's this these measurables, this point that I'm trying to attain. I get there, I attain it, I'm good, I'm done. And we face this stagnation where... It, it's not always immediately regression, right? It's not always immediately going back to the way things used to be, um, but we're just not making forward progress. And this is, we almost go into maintenance mode, right? And if you've been there, you, you, you know what I mean? Um, and sometimes, so and here's how maintenance mode works, right? So, um, so you're, you're making progress in Christ. The Bible calls this sanctification. It's progressive upward movement towards Christ-likeness. The Bible calls that sanctification. So you're making this movement towards Christ, and then life begins to kind of plateau, right? It begins to, to level off. Now, now two things happen, right? Either you level off and you live in maintenance mode for a number of years, right, where you continue doing the things you've been doing, um, and you begin, uh, your faith looks the same as it looked 
the day before and the day before and the day before and the year before and then the year before and then um, maybe the decade before if, if you get that far. Um, but it begins to level off. But, but here's the deal. And this is what, what you will find will begin to happen. And that's why it's so dangerous uh, for, us to, for us to enter into spiritual stagnation, for our faith to level off, is that uh, the scriptures teach that, that, that human beings are weighted by sin, right? And that's a weight that, that, um, that, that, uh, that pulls us down. And so you cannot stay in maintenance mode for too long, right? You cannot be spiritually stagnant for too long um, before regression begins to set in and you find yourself going back to the way things used to be. And you, you, uh, you, you have made this forward movement in Christ and you find yourself taking steps backwards, right? And then maybe you, you, you somebody invites you to church or you come to church and, or, or maybe Maybe God just kind of lays something on your heart, like it's this sense, this feeling. And, and then you begin trying to make this progress again, right? But then you level off, you plateau, uh, and then, then regression sets in. You stop coming to church. You stop being in your small group. You stop um, maybe even praying or reading your Bible. Uh, and then maybe something happens, and then you're reminded, and you run back, and it's like, yeah, and you're trying to make this progress, and then it plateau, and, and it becomes a cycle in our lives. And that's not the way that Christ intended us to live life and faith, Right? Um, so there's these, there, there is this sense of um, the Christian life, the normal Christian life, is, isn't a leap from here to perfection, right? That's not it at all. We're not saying that. And the people that stepped out of that water are not perfect. Um, none of us are, are perfect. So there's not this leap from here to perfection, right? And there's not, there's not even this, um, this very steep incline all the time. But, but there's moments of incline and then... Um, maybe, maybe some leveling off and, and maybe even a little bit of decline, but, th- but then there's moments of, of, of incline, you know what I mean? When, when we're following Christ uh, and, and we're pursuing him and we're taking next steps in God. And so this, this ideal of next steps or this, this intentional progression, these intentional actions that come from God, right? They move us toward God. And ultimately, if you, if you can't see this, let me just, they are, for God's glory, right? So these uh, next steps are from God. They, they move us toward God and they are for God's glory. And so, so this morning we're going to talk about really what a next step is, is as a defining characteristic of the Christian life, right? Of these things that come from God, right? They, they move us closer toward God. They deepen our relationship with Him and they're ultimately for God's glory. Now, this is scripture. And I, and I wrestled with this. I asked two people this week uh, because this is this is just an inside look into the life of of a, um, of, of a preacher. Is that the Bible is, is very big? There's tons of scriptures in the Bible, and sometimes we begin feeling like we're um, we're repeating verses over and over and over again, and using the same verses. And it's like, why, when there's so many verses in this Bible, do I keep going back to the same verse over and over again? So that's the way I begin to feel. Um, and so if that's the way you feel when I read the scripture, you can go ahead and just roll your eyes, you know, let me know. And it may not pop back up for another, another couple of months. Uh, but, but it will be back. This verse is going to return. So Ephesians chapter 2 is one of my favorite book verses in the Bible, not just because I, I like the things that it says, um, but because I, I I think it paints a, um, a, the, a, a clear um, a clear image of what God has done through Jesus Christ uh, in our lives. 
And if you know another verse that does this that you would like to recommend, feel free to let me know after service because I, I, uh, I, there are some that do, but this is one just right now is, is my favorite, so we're going we're gonna to endure it, right? So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, let me just read this for you. It says, for, yes, for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And that, that, that idea is that our sin made us spiritually dead and unresponsive to God, right? Um, because of our actions that are in opposition to God's will, it's like turning your back on God and going in the opposite direction, right? You become, if you continue heading in that direction, you become unresponsive to God. And the Bible calls that death, that spiritual death. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world, not the ways of God, but the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So uh, we turned our back on God. We chose to go in the opposite direction. God is there calling us, prompting us, relentlessly pursuing us, but because we're spiritually dead, we're unresponsive to him, is what this scripture is saying. And so we are by nature objects of wrath. God, by the very um, nature of his power and his strength and his might, will be totally right in catching up in us, in our, in our life that is lived in opposition from God, and to wrathfully punish us uh, for that. He, he would be totally right in doing so. It says, we were by nature deserving of wrath but because of his great love because this is something that characterizes god himself because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy made us alive with christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved so it says all right so we're living in opposition to god we're unresponsive to god our backs are turned to him um we're unconcerned with his ways uh, and and God did something, the scriptures call it grace, that made us alive and turn our backs and face the God of creation, right? And we come face to face with the God of creation. Now, let me say this, that God doesn't do anything uh, to force us to turn to him. Um, God doesn't do anything to make us turn to him and stay oriented towards him, but he but he does something that turns us and makes us come face to face with the God of creation, and in that moment, we have a decision to make. Right? It, and it's whether I'm going to continue taking next, next steps towards God, to the God of creation, or whether I'm going to turn my back and, and head away from him again. So it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in his kindness, in his kindness toward, to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it has nothing to do with anything that you did, right or wrong, but it's just God's love. It's by grace that you have been saved, not by your works. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared advance for us to do. And so God saves us because there's work that he has for us to do. And that work is only encountered through these next steps in Jesus Christ. 
And so the, way, the place we get hung up in, and this has been me and my life of faith, and this is the reason why I wanted us to talk about this, because I began noticing as I talk to people that this is a pattern in our lives, right? The place where we always get hung up is in knowing what God's will is. Right, that's the question I get more than anything. How do I know what God's will is in this situation, in this situation? Ultimately, the question they're asking is, how do I know what's from God, right? How do I know what step is coming from God and which one is not? Because I want to do the right thing, right? And so often this is the place we get hung up. And so this is where we're going to um, maybe settle in for a little bit um, uh, and talk about that uh, this morning. So uh, the, the first thing I want you to see is that next steps become clearer when we know God, right? Next steps become clearer when we know God. Now, don't get me wrong. We never in this life fully know God. And that's a dangerous position to be in when we feel like we fully understand and can wrap our minds around who God is and how God works and what God will do and what God will not do. But God has chosen to reveal himself to us in Jesus Christ. He's chosen to make himself known. And so the pursuit of God's will in our lives to say, yes, I want to take next steps uh, from God, right? These next steps from God, I want to be able to identify them in my life so that I might um, uh, take these next steps and not be set back and not enter into regression, right? I want to take these next steps in God. Um, the, the pursuit of God's will is, is fundamentally um, the pursuit of the knowledge of God himself. Right? And so you say, how do I know God? Well, one way that we know God is through the scriptures. We, we, um, God that we know on, uh, through our lives and on earth would never contradict the God of scripture. So if you, if you say, uh, the God that I know, right? Um, this God that I know, I know him because I talk to him. I know him because I pray. I know him because, um, uh, you know, ultimately, in many cases, because this is the um, the God that I created in my mind, right? This is the figment of my imagination. If that God contradicts anything that's in Scripture, right, then that's not the God of creation, right? That's not the, the real one true God that we read about in the Scriptures. Um, but, but ultimately, uh, the Scriptures give us the ability to come to know God, His character, and His will. And, and when we know God, we're able to look in this life, and we're able able to identify things that come uh, that come from God uh, and things that don't, right? We, we are able to identify things that come from God and things that don't. And so when it comes to this decision-making, this knowing the next step that God is calling us to take, the more we know God, the clearer that God's will will be. The more we know God, the clearer the next step will be. But at the beginning of our Christian life, when we're just getting to know God, when we've met Jesus for the first time, it's not so clear. So we have to pursue this knowledge of God himself. Listen to this verse um, that was written by Paul, and I love the fact that he writes this to the church because, like, Paul was this um, um, church leader. He was a missionary. He started churches. He was writing letters to the church. In fact, most of the New Testament was written by Paul. He had this deep um, um, sense of knowledge of God and, and a very mature faith in Christ. But listen to what he writes in, in Philippians. I'm going to begin in, in chapter two, verse seven. It says, um, um, "But whatever was to, what, but whatever were gains to me, I now count it loss for the sake of Christ." Now, what he's saying there is, and if you read the verses before that, he's talking about how he grew up in this Jewish household. 
and uh, how the law was taught to him right and wrong, was taught to him from the time he was a child. And he had all the signs and evidence that he was one who knew God himself, right? Um, because he knew God according to these laws that were taught to him, right? And so he, he talks about like... Um, he was of the tribe of Benjamin, of the people of Israel, a Pharisee. The Pharisees were people who really um, um, really had a clear-cut, black-and-white sense of right and wrong. Right? So he says, like, I have all these things that should make me um, this person that's able to discern right and wrong. I should know my next step because ultimately I grew up this way in this Jewish household where I was taught this from the time I was a little boy. But listen to what he says. He says, but whatever gains... Um, whatever were gains to me, I now consider them lost for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, right? Not having this righteousness that comes from this list of do's and don'ts, this list of measurables that I formulated and I figured that's what it means to follow God, right? Not, not this list of measurables, this righteousness that comes from my own and my own strength. He says, um, that come, but not from this righteousness that comes from my own or from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now listen to what he says in verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Right? And so here's this big, powerful guy in the church, his church leader. And this is what he's saying to the church. I want to know Christ more and more. I, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death and somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. When he says, I want to know him, he's saying, yeah, there's this list of measurables, but knowing the good and bad, knowing the right and wrong does not get you knowledge of God himself, right? That that is not the knowledge of God. That's all merely the knowledge of a list. And in, in real life, doing, uh, taking next steps is a lot more complicated than, than this list of measurables. It's a lot more complicated than do not cuss, do not drink, do not whatever, whatever uh, mess around, sleep around, do not do these different things, right? It's, it's a lot more complicated than that. And that, that, in, that in real life, um, um, God is saying to us, um, there are things uh, that, that, that in your everyday life that aren't clearly defined in the scriptures that I want for you to do. And those are next steps, right? And so as we know him, there are things like um, going out of my way to do something kind or encouraging to somebody that I know. And, and the Bible's never going to say do that, right? Um, the Bible's never going to say walk across the street to your neighbor when you know they're having a hard time and do something kind for them out of the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. The Bible just isn't going to say that. It's not there, right? And so there's a lot of things that the scriptures aren't saying that are God's will for our lives, that are next steps for us. Um, but the only way we'll be able to identify those is simply by knowing God himself, right? Knowing the nature and character of God. And, and it's that that moves us when we get God's love. We begin to ask, what would God's love look like today in my home, right? How would God respond in this way to my, how, how would God respond in this situation to my spouse? Like if God were in my shoes, what would God's character look like? The Bible's not going to, it's not going to, it may give you a framework, but it's not going to tell you what to do in that situation, Right? How would I respond to my kids in this situation? 
right? How would I respond to this coworker in this? The Bible's not going to lay that out for you exactly what your response should look like. But the scriptures are saying once we, when we get to know God, yes, I want to know Christ, right? It, it becomes clearer to us what that next step looks like and what it means for us to follow him uh, in our day-to-day life, what that next step is. The second thing I want you to see is that not only do next steps become clearer uh, when we decide, um, when, we, when we make that effort to know God, but next steps become clearer when we study the Scriptures. When we study the Scriptures. There was a time in my life um, when there were, um, it's actually kind of funny, um, when God grabbed a hold of my life, I had this, this friend, and, um, and, and he knew the Scriptures a lot better than I did, right? I felt like if you ever been, uh, seen a, a, like a concordance or you, now you have um, where you can like uh, go to BibleGateway.com or something like that and you can like search a word in the scriptures and boom, it, it'll pop up the verses that have that word or that topic and you can do these different topical studies. I had this, this friend that was like a walking, living, um, topical Bible. Right? He, if there was any question you had about the Bible, but he could just pop it open straight to the verse, the number. Yeah, he was just there and he would point that scripture to you and he would say, this is what the Bible says about that you could say hey man what does the bible say it's right here you know, this is what it says about that and there, there were times that i'd be like i don't believe that's in the bible that's not in the scriptures god doesn't want that for my life there's no way right and he just popped that thing open and i would get my this king james version there were some words i just didn't understand i get my dictionary out uh, old big dictionary and i've been looking up words and trying to see if the bible's really saying what he's saying he's saying and i find out it is saying what he's saying he's saying and now i'm like oh man Right? There are things about God that I don't know that are written in the scriptures and it doesn't become clear to me until I've studied them and I've learned them and I know that it's there. And so to know God's will means that ultimately we got to get familiar with the scriptures. We will never know God's will if we're not studying the Bible outside of Sunday morning, right? If we're not reading the scriptures and, and seeking to understand and utilizing today, especially some of the resources that are out there for free to us on the internet, and, and there's some reputable ones. I'm not talking about just anything on the internet. Um, things like BibleGateway.com, right? That's an actual website. Great website that has all kinds of resources for studying the scriptures. It has commentaries that are books that are intended to help you understand the scriptures. It has Bible dictionaries that will help you understand words that you're unfamiliar with. It has um, uh, places where you can type in a word and you can just search that word and it'll pull that word up every time it's used in the Bible. And you can even go and do topical studies in Bible Gateway and version, which is an app for your phone, and many of you have it and don't even know it, that it's called version, right? It's that little Bible app that's brown. It has a little a yellow cross in the middle of it. If you type in Bible in your, um, uh, in your app store on your phone, right, it'll come right up. It's the version Bible. It has all kinds of resources and things that you can look up verses right there, and you can gain an understanding of the Scriptures. But the reality is, if we want to know God's will, we got to utilize some of these resources that are literally at our fingertips to understand God's word. It's even as simple as this. I come home, I say in the morning I get up and I, I go to the gym most mornings or I walk the dogs and I come back and my wife is in there and she has um, her phone blasting and is reading the Bible. Like She's just listening to it. I'm like how much easier does technology have to make it for us, for us to understand and know the scriptures, right? It will read to you. You can, I am, um, I, uh, it's funny, I'm just telling our life, um, but I, she likes listening to the Bible all the time, right? I, she got in the car the other day, and I had been in the car that morning um, before she got in the car, and I had the um, 
some music going, and it was slightly loud, right? And uh, she gets in the car, she plugs her phone in, and she hits start on the little Bible app, and she starts the car up, and I hear it in the house, First Thessalonians, right, because it was just blasting. And I, I kind of open the door, and I just start laughing, because, yeah, I mean, it started reading First Thessalonians, that's where she was in the Bible, right? But it's like, how much more easy does this technology have to make it for us to know God's scriptures, to know them, and then finally to know God's will because we know the scriptures. Listen to this, this scripture in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse, verse 14. I'm going to start there. It says this. It says, um, but as for you, he's talking to this guy named Timothy who's a follower of Jesus Christ. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have been convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. So he's saying, hey, um, uh, there are people... Um, maybe your pastor, maybe, um, maybe, maybe other people that have walked this road in, in the faith longer than you have, maybe friends, maybe parents who have taught you what, what it means to follow Jesus Christ. So he says, continue in that, right? Uh, continue in what you've learned because you've been, and you've been convinced of because you know those you learned it from, right? But then listen to what he says in verse 15. And how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. So you were taught these things from infancy. These things were able to make you wise uh, in Jesus Christ. Then he says this, all scripture. Right? So, yeah, your parents taught it to you. Your pastor may have taught it to you. Your friends may have taught it to you. But then listen, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's some equipping and there's some work that we can only get from a knowledge of the Scriptures, that we can only get from knowing God's will as it's revealed in the Scriptures. So there's no way around it, right? If we're going to take that next step in God tomorrow and the day after, we got to know the scriptures. we got to know what God is challenging us to do. The third thing I want you to see. So the first thing was that um, the next step becomes clear as we know God. The second thing is our next step becomes clear as we study the scriptures. The third thing I want you to see is that the next step becomes clear as our heart is pure. 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 Purer. Clearer. Purer. Let's go together. Um, so God's will is clearer when our heart is pure. Maybe put it that way, right? God's will gets clearer when our hearts are pure. The scriptures are, are clear here, right? That there are things in our hearts. And if we're honest with ourselves, right? We don't even need the scriptures to know this. There are things in our heart um, that will creep up from time to time that are just malicious, that are hateful, that are not kind and loving, that we know has, has no place there. It shouldn't be there. It leads to actions that are destructive, um, um, uh, perverse sometimes, things that are corrupt. It will lead us down a, uh, the wrong road and a slippery stro- slope to to a bad place in life right and and what what god has done through jesus christ is he's done a work in us to free us from the power of sin uh, so that we might take next steps towards him and that our hearts might become more pure that our hearts might become more and this is fundamentally at the teachings of Jesus Christ. If you look in Matthew chapter 13, there's this verse where Jesus is, um, he's been teaching a little bit and Jesus is always telling these stories. And, and, um, and sometimes the meaning of these stories isn't 
isn't clear to those who heard them. And so Jesus will, will tell this kind of elaborate story, and there's this group of people that are going, hmm, profound, right? They're going, for that guy, he could tell some stories. Um, I, I, we, we were, um, my wife and I, we went to this incredible church that um, it was a little bit different. It was in Austin, Texas, not too long ago. Uh, we were there, and we went to this church, and this pastor gets up, and he just begins telling these stories. Um, and I'm sitting there because this is the way preachers work. I'm sitting there looking at him and listening to him tell these stories. And I'm like, I wish I could be like him, right? His stories were incredible, right? He, he captivated. If you ever had somebody that tells these stories that has you on the edge of your seat, that's the way he was, right? And he never, um, he, he never clearly connected the dots, but the dots were connected, right? Um, so he never, never said, it's like the joke that you have to explain, right? Stories that you have to explain just don't work well. So he never really explained the story, but it was clear what the story was challenging us and calling us to do. And, and that's kind of how Jesus operated in his ministry. He was always telling these stories. There were some that got them, some that didn't. And then he begins teaching when they begin asking him, hey, why don't, like, why don't we get this story? And he, he almost gives them, this, it's almost like a riddle, right? That, that he, he's kind of saying, because your hearts aren't pure. Instead of coming, coming and saying, hey, clean your heart up, right? He, he tells them this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Let me begin reading in verse 14. He says, this is when they say um, that, that people don't understand. He says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, right? In them, the ones who don't understand, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, right? You hear it, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving, right? So you'll see it, but you don't perceive it. For this people's heart has become calloused, right? Their heart has become calloused. So it's not that the truth isn't in front of them, it's but that their heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So scriptures are saying, hey, purify your heart and you can turn to God. You can know his will. He will heal you from your hurts and your pains and he will set you on the right path. You see, God is calling us in this life to take next steps in Him. And these next steps, though they may be difficult, and I'm not saying they're easy, I'm not saying that, that you're going to want to do them. In fact, with the worship team before service, I kind of reminisced a little bit to the Scripture where Jesus is like, you know, when the cross is before Him, um, and, and He's saying, um, basically He's saying, I don't want to do this, but not my will, God, but Your will be done. Sometimes that's what the next step is like. But, but at Tri-Cities Church, what we are committed to doing is creating a culture that supports and fosters these next steps in God because we realize that the church is not about an event, but it's a community of people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and they are deeply desiring to take this next step in Him. And so what we want Tri-Cities Church to be is this community that says, um, uh, you're not taking this next step alone, right? God didn't create you to do this alone. He, he created us to be, live and be in community. He loves the church. He created the church. He had a plan and a vision for the church. And ultimately, it's a community that supports us in this life of following Jesus Christ that helps us to take next steps. 
And so, yeah, we started this table. You can even see it in the back behind the big next steps sign. It will be there, right? It will be there. It's the next steps table. There are even some brochures on that table about what it means to follow Jesus Christ, what it means to be baptized, what it means to take communion, which is something that we do every week. Um, and there, there's an, even another one there about our city groups, right? These small groups that you can gather in a smaller community and you can do life in Christ together, right? There's some brochures back there. There'll be more and stuff that's added back there. But we want that table to be just a part of the vision of Tri-Cities Church to support this community as we take next steps in Jesus Christ. Because here's what we know, right? And we know it because we believe the scriptures, right? That, That as we take next steps in Jesus Christ, that God uses each one of us to bring a little bit of change to the environment around us. And the more of us are take that are taking next steps, the more change that happens in environments, not in here, right, but out there, in our communities. The more change that happens out there, and the more people get to know the glory and the power of God that has raised us from death to life, and they become convinced that God is real. So yeah, there are some next steps that are, individ- that are um, um, universal for all people who are believers in Jesus Christ. Baptism is one of those. If you have not been baptized, right, come and talk to me about it. Visit somebody at the next steps table. There will be people back there every Sunday. Go see somebody back there at the next steps table and talk to them about baptism. If you're saying, hey, I've, I've never been baptized. I don't know what that is because we want to see uh, this baptistry filled up week after week and we want to see more people giving their lives to Jesus Christ and that powerful symbol of God raising the dead to life and proclaiming the faith through our very lives if you don't know Jesus there's somebody back there at that table that was willing to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus and explain it to you and not just explain it to you but walk with you on that journey right? and then there's these next steps that aren't necessarily universal but they're individual And it really comes out of this feeling that um, God has placed this on my heart, right? That that, um, maybe that's not even the language you use. Maybe it's just this, I got this feeling, right? That this is something that God wants me to do. I I can't really describe it. I I don't really know where it comes from. I just got this feeling that this is something that God wants me to do. And I need somebody to talk to about it. I need somebody to walk with me through this. I need someone to pray with me through this. That's what the next steps table is for. That you can say, hey, let me, let me talk to you about this. Because here's the thing. Um, if we are making decisions about what it means to follow Jesus Christ in our everyday life, um, sometimes in the, our complex lives and complex situations, there are times that we will misunderstand what it means to follow Christ um, because we are not, um, we are not able to remove ourselves from the situations that we find ourselves in, and we're fundamentally biased in almost every situation, right? And so there is this, this, this. I mean, it's just truth. We cannot remove ourselves from a situation, and we need to hear someone else's voice saying, "Hey, this is what the scriptures say," and I'll pray with you, and then it clears our our heart and our mind so we can hear. This is what God is saying. And we can take that next step in him. Hey, Tri-Cities Church, we are all about taking these next steps in God. And we want this to become a part of who we are and what we do. And so for these next two weeks, we're going to be exploring what that looks like. And I believe 
as it has already in my own life, as I think about this series, it's transformed my understanding of what it means to follow God. And I believe it will transform ours and we'll see change in our community. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you've called us to make next steps. And God, I I think my biggest um, prayer is that um, I look at these, these, these next steps that you've called me to in my life. <laughs> and, and, and I've been tempted to say, God, you got the wrong one. <laughs> you, 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 you messed up, God. You, you did something wrong. You picked the wrong one. It's, it's not me. And God, I'm reminded right now of that scripture that says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That your strength, God, is made perfect in our weakness, in our inadequacies, in our lack, in our inability. So God, please remind us that your strength is with us. Always. And your strength is with us and that's not theoretical, but your strength is with us because you are actually with us. And we never walk alone. So God, please remind us of that and help us to say yes to you and take the next step, knowing that never once have we ever walked alone. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.